0: Recording.
1: Hello, this is Sean Harwell, you're listening to episode 20.5, a mini episode of the Never Heard of It podcast
0: And this is Craig Moorhead, this is our mini uh, cast in which we uh, talk about uh, things that have not fallen through anyone's cracks yet
1: mm-hmm. Small things Small
0: like things through small cracks
1: Mini Coopers, Mini Mouse uh, uh,
0: Mini Oreos, bite size
1: Oh, that sound good, now you're just making me hungry Yeah um, Craig, how you doing?
0: Um, hey, I'm all right. How are
1: you doing? Uh, you know what? I'll go with all right too. That sounds that sounds fitting Good. tonight. Good. Um, I got a couple things for us to walk through here today, and I think there's some juicy stuff. Juicy? Yes. Yeah, a little. It's gonna get a little juicy today. So put your uh, put your bib on. And uh, I mean, the first thing that we're gonna talk about is actually something that. I read about via your Facebook for the first time, and I'm, I'm salivated, and I suspect you are as well. Uh, this was the announcement the other day that uh, TCM and Criterion are sort of joining forces to launch a streaming video service that should be out this fall. Uh, it's going to go by the moniker Filmstruck, unless they change that between now and then. And I think it sort of sounds like we're going to get a bit of the typical... Hulu, Netflix, Amazon competition here, but with a really interesting library, obviously. And it seems like from the article I read that curation uh, is going to be a huge, huge part of this. Obviously, TCM does this on a nightly basis. Um, And one of the things they were quoted as saying, the guy from Criterion, that it's going to be clearly thematically programmed. It's going to be clear not only what's there to watch, but why it's there. I think that's exciting. Um, I love it. Even if these weren't like classic films or or the stuff that Criterion is putting out that yeah, I think you and I both enjoy frequently. I don't know if Netflix was, was saying, Hey, we're going to tell you not only what to watch, but why I'd be excited about that too. I think that's a really interesting, that's a good, it's just a POV to have other than just throwing crap up against the wall and saying, okay, you find it yourself or because you watched this, here's this other movie you might like that actually has nothing to do with the movie you just watched. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that it'll be a pretty good experience. Um, what was sort of your initial, I don't know, are you just excited about the movies themselves or what, what, what are you thinking about in regards to this? Is it something you're immediately going to subscribe to? Are you going to test the waters with it or what?
0: Yeah. I mean, they're there. What's, what's not to like. I mean, that's, that's I, I, I've been hoping they would do some sort of thing like this for a while. So I wouldn't have to like pay for the golf channel and the, right. you know, real estate channel to get, a. Uh, standard deaf version of TCM like this, this sounds Mm -hmm. great. So I will totally get this.
1: Yeah. And it makes a ton of sense on their part because they are definitely a channel that was, you know, they were movie only I don't think they've ever done. They may have done a few original programs and then mostly probably people talking about movies. Um, but yeah, I, I as far as looking at cable channels that probably are hurt by people cutting the cord, I would say this is this is definitely one of them because this is what they do. They offer stuff that the same way that kind of Netflix did does before Netflix. And I think I read today also that I guess Ted Turner bought the entire MGM library at one point, you know, free whatever the year as the films. But I'm very curious to see if that then means unlike say Netflix or Amazon that these the movies that they're going to have in their library hopefully will be there indefinitely. Right. Um, and that, that's that's really exciting. To I think we'll have to wait and see about that. But I think theoretically it, it seems more plausible um, that that would be the case as opposed to, you know, as we've learned with this podcast, you go to watch a movie one night that we talked about two days earlier, and then it's, suddenly it's not on one of these streaming services and you can't find it anywhere.
0: Right. And there's really no way to, to tell when that's going to happen or no, why you have to it's going for away sure. or anything like that. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, so I think that's really cool. Uh, yeah, I think the price will be an interesting question. Um, one thing I read today that makes me slightly cautious um, is just the wording here in this paragraph. And this is I'm reading from IndieWire. Criterion will be a premium. They're going to call it the Criterion channel on Filmstruck will be a premium tier. That will give you access to the large selection of Criterion films with supplemental features, which I think is also really cool. And then you'll have the run of their library. It's that premium tier wording that makes me worried.
0: Yeah. So you're paying ten dollars a month for TCM, and then to get Criterion, you have to pay fifteen bucks more or something.
1: I th- I think that will be a model that fails if that is what they go with. Um, yes. I think that will turn people off, and I, I hope it's not the case. It may be the case, and they may learn the hard way. Especially
0: and considering people are already getting Criterion on Hulu right now.
1: They're getting on Hulu right now. I don't know if any of the features are on Hulu. Um, I had Hulu, and I definitely watched Criterion stuff. And I don't remember seeing any of the features there, and they obviously do not have the entire Criterion collection up on Hulu. Um, I think it's also important to point out that they're saying they're absolutely in no way – uh, slowing down or getting rid of or transitioning away from uh, Blu-ray and DVD. Um, you know, there's, He's he's saying there, there's not a better way for us to deliver the highest possible quality video in a beautifully curated and packaged edition that people want to keep on their shelves, which I 100% agree. So <laughs> I'm glad that that's not going away. Um, yeah. Very, very optimistic and hopeful that this turns out to be as cool as it sounds. And I think you can sign up on FilmStruck.com to get, you know, whatever their newsletter will be, and just so you'll you'll hear about it um, as soon as they launch. Uh, if you're interested in that, but uh, it's definitely something we'll keep our eyes on for sure. It's pretty rad, uh, and let's hope they have the movie rad. Wouldn't that be cool? Man,
0: yeah, Thrashin' would be good too.
1: <laughs> yeah, there is a dearth of older movies available on stream. Well, anyway.
0: Well, it does make me wonder. I think it was TCM that for a while was doing a late night uh uh show i think that rob zombie hosted where he was kind of doing like 50s oh, wow. grind house-ish type movie like b movies yeah uh which was fantastic and I'd never, i never i barely got to even watch any of those episodes but i i just loved the fact that existed i would love that to be available i had no uh, clue yeah way.
1: that's super cool so well let's hope that happens man yeah that'd be awesome yeah Uh, Moving on then to something completely different. Uh, Let's talk Transformers 4 for a second. We always do. Um, I sent you (laughs) – right. Uh, First of all, have you seen Transformers 4? Uh, No. Yeah, I I I think I stopped after number one, I think, actually. Did I see Transformers 2? Maybe. Not sure.
0: I've definitely seen parts of of all three. I definitely saw all of one. I saw parts of two and three, and four is the one that I kind of forget exists.
1: Paramount right now may want to also forget it exists uh, in this specific way because I sent you an article today, uh, and this is coming from io9.com, I think. They're being sued by a travel company in China for not agreeing, not following through on a product placement deal. Now, apparently, the specifics are this is Wulong Karst Tourism.
0: Perfect. That was nice.
1: None of those words sound Chinese to me. (laughs) Uh,
0: Very good, yeah.
1: (laughs) You know? Um, Yeah. But then this is actually a state backed, which means Chinese backed, travel company. Apparently, paid uh, Paramount and the Chinese co producers, which I didn't even know Transformers 4 had Chinese co producers, which is crazy, um, 750 grand for a logo with China Wulong to appear in the movie, and it's not in the movie. Now, what's interesting is that they're not arguing that. Paramount is saying, hey, we know it's not in the movie, but Michael Bay, the film's director, shot a commercial for this tourism company and they left the sets and the props behind so that, I guess, you know, the article is sort of adjusting, you know, in theory, they could turn this into some sort of like tourist destination themselves to come see these <laughs> props and stuff. And this company is suing them for $27 million, which is nothing to, you know, blink an eye at. Um, yeah. Any thoughts on that? First of all, like, do you care about product placement? Is that t- I mean, I understand it. My thing is, it feels like a necessary evil to some degree. I don't mind it that much in these huge movies.
0: I, I do feel like on on one on one hand, it's Transformers Four, so yeah, I, I don't care if there's product placement. I, I don't feel like you're right. cheapening the experience of Transformers 4, which is basically just going to be blowing everything up as much and as well, quickly as possible.
1: And also, I mean, well, Transformers in and of itself is product placement for toys, I guess. Right. You know, so the whole thing
0: is it, it, it is one big commercial. And I mean, in, in a sense, especially for people who are like big fans of it, what could there be that would be better than that? Like they'll, they'll never stop making them because they always make tons of money. And the whole thing is a commercial that you enjoy watching. Congratulations.
1: Right. Don't you wonder how it went down that, they, that Michael Bay ended up doing the commercial for them? Did they just forget to shoot it, to put it in the movie? Did they shoot it? And then he was like, no, I got to cut that. I, I like, well, hey, yeah, what that's you what I'm you... trying to figure out, yeah. too,
0: because I feel like there's no way a movie this big doesn't have a room filled with lawyers that watch the movie and make sure that all of these... I's have been dotted and T's have been crossed because they have all these product placement deals. They're all worth a certain amount of money. They're legally binding. They they, they have this obligation. They have to do this. And so team of lawyers watch that movie. And if any of them noticed that this logo wasn't there, then they would have just CGI'd some junk and put the logo in there. Like, there's no reason for the logo not to be there. Unless, yeah, unless somebody just forgot. They had so many product placement deals, somebody just plain forgot about it. And, and I mean, who knows? Maybe it was a strategic thing. Maybe they're like, well, the most they'll sue us for is $27 million. So who cares? <laughs> Which is crazy. You know, I mean, it <laughs> yeah. could be. Because I, I, I no
1: you have to imagine, especially with a Michael Bay movie, there's, the cuts are happening so rapidly. Could you not just go shoot, I mean, in your back lot in 10 minutes? Just put the damn logo on a table, shoot yeah. it, flash it for, you know, a second and a half somewhere in the action, you know, don't even shoot it with a still camera, you know, a locked tripod, and then just freeze frame in court and say, there's your evidence. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. like, nobody would be the wiser. Um,
0: and was the commercial always a part of the deal or did you shoot the commercial to try and rectify it? <laughs>
1: I just want Michael Bay, like, the next Transformers movie has to be all about, like, that uh, tourism company is going to have their their name and the title of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, Craig, uh-huh. it's that time. Okay. okay. Got a question for you. If I told you that there's an Adventures in Babysitting TV movie coming to the Disney Channel June 24th, would you think that we've reached peak nostalgia this week?
0: Well, let me ask this. What, what, is, what is post-peak? Like, what is, what is once you've gone <laughs> over the peak and you're just, the, the descent? N- the nostalgic descent? The descent? descent nostalgia? Because he, here's my thing.
1: You reach the peak, you, you look out, you take in the wonders of the world, and then it's just all like, okay, yeah, it was fun. Right. It's not going to get better than that. Let's go home.
0: Maybe yeah, we're, we're we're tucking the kids in. Well, I mean, it's it's going to be a TV movie for for who you said
1: uh, Disney Channel. It's two teen rival babysitters. Well, Team well this makes sense. Yep.
0: Here's what happened. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna walk you through this, Sean, because I know you don't really like to pay attention to the industry, but in '86 we had '86 or '87 we had Adventures in Babysitting. Everyone knows the film. I think it was Best Picture that year. And then it was uh, just a few years ago. Uh, a fine filmmaker made a movie called The Sitter, which I felt was the right. update. You know, all of us who had seen it as it kids like it. Now we have kind of a. It's Went a little dirtier. TV it's a little, our... uh, you know, eh, little nudge, nudge, mm-hmm. wink, wink. A little bit more funny. I enjoyed it, uh, but I felt like that that was for us. That that was that was our that was the peak nostalgia in terms of adventures and babysitting. And so now we got to make it. We got to give it to the kids. Now we're giving adventure. We we take this gift. That's a gift from from our Lord and Savior, and we give it to our children now to pass on to their children. (laughs) Adventures in Babysitting.
1: I I, I can get behind that theory. I have no problem with that. Um, Well, I have one headline for you. I just want a reaction. Okay. Uh, From the AV Club, Jim Henson's son to direct R-rated puppet movie with Jamie Foxx.
0: If 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 you came in and you had like a like a, a disc in your hand, you said, "Craig, let me show you this R-rated movie by Jim Henson's son and Jamie Fox." I'd be like, "Yeah, all right, let's pop it in." Right. But it's not something like that I'm going to be following, okay. necessarily. But when it comes out, yeah, I'd probably I'd probably check that out. Yeah. I, Have you ever seen Meet the Feebles? Not all of it. Yeah.
1: The Peter Jackson movie. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, you know, R-rated puppet movies. I feel like you yeah, know we've had our share. Team America, obviously.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, there's there's really no shortage of them. So it'll just be interesting to see to see what it is. I think there's an expectation because his name is on it that it's going to be satirical, maybe, toward Muppets, or will it just be a grown up Muppets? I mean, I don't know. What who knows what he'll do. I'll wait for the trailer. Yeah. Um uh but good luck to them all.
1: I think so. Uh, Last thing, I think this is also a good luck to to everyone involved. Um, I read today also from the AV Club that Universal Studios has announced it will be bringing William Friedkin and William Blatty's The Exorcist to its annual Halloween Horror Nights event. The influential 1973 horror film will be featured in both the company's Orlando and Hollywood locations, where Florida attendees will get to, quote, hear, feel, and even smell every iconic, levitating, head-spinning, vomit-wrenching, skin-crawling moment. While Universal Studios, Studios Hollywood attendees will be treated to the Exorcist maze.
0: Well, I, I'll say this F- first and foremost: uh, I, I am I am I am in favor of this generally. Right. Uh, but great. The, I mean, I yeah. How does that know.
1: work with the Exorcist? I can't imagine. I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> I don't.
0: Want, I don't want to smell vomit. No. Uh, if I go into a room and there's someone pretending to be Linda Blair and be. Uh, possessed. I don't know if I'll be happy about that. I don't know. I don't know how you pulled this off. I don't either. The- for actual fans of the movie, but but I don't know. Maybe I don't understand the maze though. Maybe a shining <laughs> maze, but then then they'll be in trouble with like Warner Brothers. This is
1: a really confusing uh DC apartment. Uh if no. I remember correctly from the movie. Maybe you had to go up and down the stairs like a, maybe that's the, what it is. Yeah. It, it's just
0: getting through Georgetown <laughs> and just the frustration
1: That's what you know. What that maze should be is definitely those stairs outside that uh, Father Marin. um,
0: Oh yeah, yeah. You you actually rolled down the stairs (laughs) to your death. That is going to be a scary one. Well, I have nothing else to talk about.
1: Well, good. I like when when that happens. It just means that we we covered it all. And um, yeah, if you are out there right now thinking I need more of of Sean and Craig, then go back and listen to our full episodes. Uh, The latest one is about John Borman's, what is it, 1985 jungle adventure family drama, The Emerald Forest, starring Powers Booth and Charlie Borman. Yeah, give it a listen. And you know where to find us online, Facebook, Twitter. We're out there.
0: Come get it. Come get some.